Mars, so as we all know, after Thanksgiving is when the real football starts, and we are having a real guest on here to cover the Bills, Matt Perino, Bills beat reporter for Syracuse.com. Pats and Bills kicking off on a Thursday, second consecutive Thursday for both teams. You know, I took a second off air to talk about my travel schedule, which did not include going to Minnesota, but three games in 12 days, three games in 12 days. You then fill me in, Matt, who also, with a wildly popular shout podcast, and might be an honorary capo of Bills Mafia, you covered a game in Detroit the week before, then drove home to Buffalo, then went back to Detroit for an actual Lions game as the Bills played the Browns in Detroit the first time, and then came all the way back and have finally come out of a mini break, or maybe you were dormant, uh, to come on this podcast. And thank you for taking the time, man. You're a busy guy. No, I appreciate you uh, having me on. And uh, as soon as you sent me that message, I mean, I think you've done my show three times now over the years. So it's the least that I can do. I uh, appreciate you having me on. I'm, and I'm looking forward to this because this game, because to your point, like we talk so much and obviously it's the, it's the day job in you know September and October. And I feel like we're just going to learn so much. I tell fans all the time, like we just don't know anything yet. Like we're going to find out about these teams in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be fun. And you know who likes that answer of, well, we don't know anything yet is absolutely no one. So I'm glad you get to say that instead of me uttering it in the same podcast where people who have still hung around as we get into week 12, 11, 13, whatever it is, um, it does matter now. We have a large sample, even for the Patriots who played two quarterbacks, even for the Bills who are playing in all these sort of close games. And you go, they're still the Bills, you know? Like, And I'll tell you here, the memory everyone has burned in their brains of the Bills is, of course, 47 to 14. And how many times I've reminded players and coaches of, what did it feel like when they didn't punt not only in that game, but in the game before? So the sense I get is the Bills are five and a half point favorites. We record this year on a Tuesday night. If people think they're getting like the Godfather part three, like it might be closer, but we still kind of know how this is going to end. And you've got a very forceful Bills team and they're going to blow the doors open. What's the sense up in upstate New York of Bills fans looking at the Patriots here coming on Thursday night? Well, they're getting at an interesting time. I think starting there is is a good um, place to start. Von Miller won't play in this game, and that's going to have potentially a huge impact because if you look at their depth chart, they're getting Greg Rousseau back off that high ankle sprain, which he's been full in practice, but I can't imagine he's going to be 100% in this game, and he's going to be your best option on the edge, which is where I feel like if Von was healthy, i talk about maybe a potential plus on the Bills side. But without him, that's an area where – you know, I'm not too concerned if I'm the Patriots because Boogie Basham, AJ Epinesa, even Shaq Lawson, who's been really good for them this year, he's not really been uh, a force as a pass rusher on the outside. So I think he'll have some time in the pocket if the interior can hold up. And so that's the, the big piece of it. But watching that Minnesota game the other day, um, what Mac, what stood out to me about Mac Jones was how quickly he was operating and getting the ball out of his hands and which is going to be key against this team. Now, this secondary, this linebacker core, getting Tremaine Emmons back, that's where things get a little bit murky for things because they can get turnovers. And they're they're much better at all, you know, uh, both the second and the third level. And then Tredavious White is expected to play a lot more snaps. Um, they could be a little tired. This has been a full week on the end of this, like you mentioned, three games in 12 days. So that's, you know, at play here. But I also think the biggest storyline going into this game is Josh Allen being full finally in practice. Andrew, last week, he didn't practice at all before the Lions game. And when he did, 
every other play they were bringing in Matt Barkley or Case Keenum to throw for him at the end of the rep because they wanted to limit the um, excess throws to kind of, you know, keep it easy on his elbow. I mean, he's still been working through that UCL uh, issue. I think if he's back to close to 100%, that's a really good sign for what this offense can potentially do against a really good Patriots defense. Yeah, so it's interesting. Of course, Bills fans are focused on the Bills. Patriots fans also focused on the Bills. For those who aren't familiar with Buffalo's work here so far, let me run down our typical rundown. They are 8-3 and three on the season. They are first in the league by DVOA, sixth in offense, third in defense, third in special teams. Their last four games, the aforementioned two games in Detroit, first 28-25 are the Lions on Thanksgiving. They win 31-23 to over the Browns five days earlier. Then the loss game of the year, 33 to 30 against Minnesota in overtime at home. And before that, a road loss to the Jets, 20 to 17. All of which is to say, Bill Belichick had it right when he opened his Wednesday press conference going, they're pretty good at everything. And yet even watching that defense, which is not yet as dominant, largely due to injuries, um, you know, and Josh Allen, who is throwing more picks in the red zone and maybe overall, correct me if I'm wrong, anyone in the league right now, but still has over 3,000 yards, still is scrambling and gaining first downs at will. Like, again, the Bills are still the Bills as much as everyone at home kind of notices more of the imperfections. So I start here. We got news Tuesday that the flu bug going around the Bills locker room has seemingly subsided because four of the five players, including members of that secondary, were back, Tamar Hamlin and Dane Jackson, which if they're out, you look at Mac Jones from Minnesota and go, maybe that guy can come back. He's throwing to you know, anyone who's not named Tredavious White because they might be vulnerable or they're sick, but they're back at practice. How much, if at all, do you expect that flu bug that kind of came through and it seems to have gone away to impact that Bill's defense? I don't think it's going to impact them too much only because they dealt with the same thing the week before they had, I think close to a dozen people out ahead of the lions game might, might've been the Browns game. Again, these games are kind of clinging together at this point, but uh, Isaiah McKenzie came back and had 96 in a touchdown last week against the lions. And so I think they'll be in a good spot from that perspective. And, you know, these guys have been getting fluids and a lot of the guys that, you know, they're talking about like, you know, Damar Hamlin, you'd liked him to not have been out uh, for a, a day or two of practice uh, young player, but he's played pretty well. And Jordan Poyer, um, he's going to be healthy playing. Uh, he's been dealing with that elbow issue, uh, but he hadn't missed any time this week. So I think they'll be all right. And to be honest with you, the big conversation amongst Bills fans this week has been maybe a reduced role for Dane Jackson, who's been struggling against some of the really elite receivers they faced over the last couple of weeks. Justin Jefferson, you know, gave him the business a bit. Um, Christian Benford as well, who's out now. Xavier Rhodes, who I know uh, everybody's familiar with. He's kind of back in the mix now after a weird hamstring injury when they signed him on the practice squad that took him out for four weeks. He'll be in the mix. But they're going to – Andrew, there's a, there's a potential on both sides – uh, of the field for rotations at cornerback on both spot sides, like Tredavious White potentially with Xavier Rhodes, and then Kyer Elam with Dane Jackson if he's able to go. You could see four boundary cornerbacks in this game, this wild rotation that Sean McDermott, you know, loves to to see. But we're at the point today. The only person that's still out with a uh, illness is Quentin Morris, uh, depth uh, tight end. Well, let's get right into those corners then, because it's a it's a really interesting point in that. The Bills' solution in those last two games against the Patriots, and even you know the windstorm game in which the Patriots only attempted three passes, um, was to play more man coverage. This is a zone-heavy defense, but that shot up close to 50% on passing downs against the Patriots because they just looked at the receivers like a lot of the rest of the league did and goes, yeah, we can handle you one-on-one. -on -one. And it helps when you get a guy like Trey White back. But if Dane Jackson is struggling and you go through all those different bodies, 
if the Patriots make a big splash, splash play against man coverage, and I talked to Jacoby Myers today who said, look, when it's clutch time, so you're talking third down, red zone, they're going to play man and they're going to pressure. You know, if that might spook the Bills out of their plan A, not only Thursday, but last year and the season before that. Is that still an area, though, where the Bills, even with that rotation of bodies, still feel probably, as you see it, a strength going against the Patriots, who have pretty much the same receivers, plus Devontae Parker and Tyquan Thornton, who, according to PFF, are among the worst receivers in the league against man covered? Mm. Yeah, I definitely think they'll mix things up a little bit more uh, than they usually do. Um, I think having Trey back is a in a larger role is a huge component of this because one of the things with Dane Benford and especially Kyrie Elam, who played predominantly man at Florida, is that going into a zone heavy scheme in the NFL as a rookie, it's just so much like there's there's moments in pra- after practice where we'll look over, we'll be doing locker room, we'll pop in and out of the locker room 25, 35 minutes, we'll come out and there's uh, Kyrie Elam still working on just little t- technique points with Benford, with uh, the DB's coach, with the defensive coordinator, with Sean McDermott at times. Like, you know, th- there's so much that goes into becoming a confident off-ball corner in the in, on the boundary that I just think that having Trey White to be able to man most of that on that side of the field really helps them and what they're going to do. I wouldn't be surprised if they play a little bit of both. Like, you know, some man on one side, some zone on the other side, kind of mix some things up from that department. But here's the biggest thing. Tremaine Edmonds being back in the lineup really takes away a lot of what you think you can do over the middle of the field. It's not even about the splash plays that I know Bills fans have been clamoring for from him for years. It's just the throws that I think a lot of quarterbacks don't even try to make because of his presence. I mean, it, Matt Milano has probably been one of the best off-ball linebackers in the NFL this year, but I don't think Tremaine Edmonds gets enough credit for what he forces opposing offenses not to do when he's out there and he's uh, trending in the right direction. I think he could have probably played against the lions, but they wanted that growing to get back to as close to hundred percent as possible. So that back, they have a lot of different options and having Jordan Poyer back available. He was out uh, for a couple of weeks with that elbow. Had he been out in this game, that's when I really would have been like, that could be an area of the field that they want to attack. When Jaquan Johnson played, even Cam Lewis, if you remember in that Minnesota game, they gave up that huge play to Justin Jefferson late and, you know, Jordan Poyer's in the field, that probably doesn't happen. So, yeah, it's it's definitely an intriguing uh, matchup to watch. And I think that this is a receiving group for the for the Patriots. I know it's a sh- small sample size the last couple of weeks that is at least playing with a lot more confidence that they can do some things. And they're probably a pissed off group after the couple of games last year. Well, I want to hit Edmonds in coverage really quickly because we're going to go to the running game next. And that's going to be the reminder of Stevenson show, as I wrote earlier this week. And also because he is currently their leading receiver by total receptions. And that's a matchup that had he been out, I think the Patriots really try to exploit. The problem is Edmonds, like Matt Bellano, is one of the best coverage linebackers in the league, at least according to PFF grades, which I've said many times in this podcast, you know, to be taken with a grain of salt and certainly within a range, not a defined uh, data point. But if he takes away Stevenson, A, he's a huge chunk of that offense. And I think he might help solve some of the Bills issues tackling, which at least, you know, according to some metrics has been worse this year than other years, which is also something that kind of tightens up over the course of a season. But moving into the receivers and wrapping up that area, the the one other area besides tackling that I found kind of digging into some numbers that the Bills are a little bit weaker than you would expect for someone who, again, third in defense across the league is they're a little soft in the slot. And this is a team that basically plays nickel. If you could play it 120% of the time, they would getting those two linebackers who can cover and a lot of zone with the five other DBs. 
What's behind those numbers? And is that something against Myers, who is just a professional wide receiver, two and a half, maybe two in a good day, like could give mm-hmm. them some issues there against the slot corner? Yeah, I think part of it has been just um, some bad games for Taron Johnson, who historically has been really strong for them. Um, I don't know necessarily if it's a schematic thing. I know that having Edmonds out of the lineup in a couple games and then Milano out for a couple games, they've been cycling through some folks. And if you noticed over the course of the last week and a half, you know, they went to the rookie Terrell Bernard a few uh, weeks ago. Um, and it did not go well with Edmonds out originally. So they flipped it and they went to Dodson, who has obviously an undrafted guy that has a lot more experience in the defense. Wasn't great either, really. So they go out and they claim AJ Klein off of waivers, who they cut this past offseason from the Bears. And he comes back and plays a gem in place of Tremaine Edmonds against the Lions. Go figure, you know, basically off the couch, played 24 snaps between two teams before that. And he just has a more, you know, understanding of the defense. He goes back to Carolina with Sean and they value those pieces. It's why they went out and they traded for Dean Marlowe, who's now a depth safety there that they could play in the case that, you know, maybe a Hamlin can't go. He goes back to Carolina. They love those guys that they know as all the really good coaches, like guys that they could trust. Um, So that's a piece of it. But I, you know, it hasn't been a great season for Taron Johnson to this point. Like he's usually just so competitive in those one-on-one situations when he does get to be in that situation, because playing in this scheme, you don't get a lot of opportunities to go one-on-one, you know, throughout the course of the season. And when, when he has this year, I feel like it's been a lot of soft, um, you know, 15, 16 yard reception. The bills have been uncharacteristically bad in third and longs over the course of the last month to month and a half. And Johnson's been one of the reasons that I think that they've struggled, but he's a really good player. And I, you know, I feel like he's had this in the past. He's gone through these stretches where it's just been a little bit down and he's found a way to kind of flip the script. So that's one area that now with all of the, that nucleus in the middle back and seemingly healthy, you figure that that kind of flips a little bit over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. And so if you're looking at this from the Patriots, as we run down when they have the ball and we'll get to the, the bills have the ball in a second, it, the way the Patriots win this game is I think you have some of those 50, 50 battles where it's either you get them in the right drive with their backup corners in, in this rotation or Dron Johnson has a bad night. And it's just something you can't entirely predict, but a lot of those point flips go your way. And it leads up to, you know, turnovers for them defensively are also big gains and missed tackles that you spring out suddenly to a 10, nothing lead after the first quarter. And so I would just say, keep that in mind for folks where, you know, the numbers say that I cited about being soft in the slot. They're, they're kind of middling to bottom 10, 12, nothing like, whoa, like, you know, neon flashing light to tack over here with a big arrow. It's just, that's a spot that if you're the Patriots, you have to probe because there aren't many other spots where you have one of your better players Jacoby Myers against the weakness. As we just said, Ramondre Stevenson, you know, their entire offense the last four or six weeks is going up against one of the best coverage linebackers in the league. Now, when he's not, and he's taking the ball as a runner, he'll be going up against um, the third best run defense in the league. So with the Patriots offensive line situation, David Andrews told Mass Live he's going to come back. Yadni Kajust is still playing right tackle. They try to play and bully the Bills one-on-one. A lot of man block schemes, power, counter, some G lead stuff has been going on that worked in a windstorm and then it didn't in the next two games. Mm-hmm. Is there anything as you look from a Bills perspective with the Patriots running game, not even as the old running game, because they're not using a fullback anymore. They're not really playing a ton of two tight ends that goes, okay, if they did this, that might be a worrisome for Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I think you can, 
you you can find some explosives in the run game if you're patient against against this defense. We've seen it a couple times. We saw the Delvin Cook game. They were shutting him down for most of that game, and all of a sudden he breaks an 80-yard uh, run. Obviously, Poyer not on the field. That that was was a part of it. But we saw in that game, you know, the, the Bills had all their defensive players, and Micah Hyde just took a bad angle, which is very uncharacteristic for him. And there there it is. Uh, I think it was was Damian Harris that took it to the house um last year so there's opportunity in the run game especially with the fact that um but 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 paired with that is max gonna have to force the bills to respect the pass game like early in this game and the problem that i think present it's presented the patriots is how much time do you have to do that to establish your run game because if the bills come out offensively and kind of pick up where they left off last season then you're kind of stuck in a, in a place where you got to force some things that you don't want to force against this defense and plays in to exactly what Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott want you to kind of do. But, you know, I think you can, I think you can run off tackle. I think you can run at like these young um, defensive ends on the outside up the middle. It's going to be tough. They have Jordan Phillips back in that third D tackle role where he's thriving. He's much more known as a, is a pass rusher, but he's also been just shooting gaps and just pushing interior offensive lineman back all season long. So, and Ed Oliver's coming off the most dominant one game performance of his career. And a lot of people are looking at him to form a ninth overall pick with Von Miller out to kind of stabilize things on that defensive line and set a tone. So was there's opportunities. 2020. Oh, the draft 2019. 2019. Okay. Cause he, he fits in this like ongoing theory that I'm going to introduce now. And I have no evidence to back this up aside from like two draft picks on the Patriots who are finally like, Oh, there's that Josh who everyone expected or Anthony Jennings is playing is you get into that 2020 season, no training camp, no preseason in your right. developments delayed a little bit. Um, yep. And so he obviously doesn't fit the mold there, but it, well, I, I do, yeah, that, that game in Detroit, that was Houston at Oliver. That was like, that's why that guy goes top 10 is just a game record one-on-one in the middle. AJ Ebenezer fits completely into that mold. He was the mm. second round pick in 2020 and he's not developed and he's got a three and a half sack season going here, but his pressures are just, just so lackluster for the third defensive end in your rotation. When you are a rotation heavy team and you've talked about valuing, you know, the fundamental pieces, the organization has placed, you know, in this position, they drafted back-to-back draft, second round, Epinesa and Boogie Basham in the second round. They come back in 2021 with a first rounder and go Greg Rousseau. And I just, I'm not sure that that's yielded the results that they were, they were aiming for. Uh, Rousseau has been really good. Like, I think he's been, I think he's been better than what like draft evaluators predicted in his first year and a half in the league. But it still, I feel like, falls a little bit short of what you hope out of a round one edge rusher. And, you know, it's a big reason why they went out and spent on Von Miller. And they've, you know, it's unlocked a little bit more with Greg before the, before the injury. We'll see if he's able to pick up some of the slack there. But I totally agree with you. That A.J. Vanessa pick, to this day, I feel like it's not popular amongst Bills fans because – He's just had this really weird arc from when when he got drafted, missing that whole offseason, and it just never really coming together for him. Yeah. All right. Well, it looks like tough sledding for the Patriots offense, which has had tough sledding for most of the season and up and prior to that Minnesota game. I mean, if they go and score 10, 13 points, we're not having a lot of this conversation. Oh, maybe that might work. It's just going to be how many trick plays do they need to run. The one play that they could run a lot more, and especially because you hit it on the head, Patriots don't have time to quote-unquote establish the run, which is something that – one of the coaches uh, spoke to Doug Kyle, pro, pro football focus about this summer and said, yeah, we'll be okay if we just establish a run. And I'm going, well, that's alarming. 
And you see it in the way that they're not running play action until after they've run the ball X amount of times, except against Minnesota, where they start with a 26-yard play action play, which was ruined because of a bobbled snap. But I'm still counting it, still counting it, Matt. And then they run off in this touchdown drive to start the second half with, lo and behold, three play action passes. Now, Buffalo is very good against play action. I'm not saying it's this, you know, uh, skeleton key for them offensively, but they need more of it. And I I think would be wise to try it early on since it's going to be tough to run the ball against a Buffalo defense, but not harder than it will be to contain Josh Allen. If he somehow plays like he did the last time we saw him, of course, 21 to 25 over 300 yards, five touchdowns, no picks. I am asking you this half facetiously. The bill's first punt comes before or after halftime and why I want to say before halftime I think defensively Bill Belichick will find some answers for what Josh Allen's been able to do uh over the course of the last couple of seasons really could going back to really late 2019 I feel like he started to unlock some of his potential against him because early on I mean I, we were in those press boxes you know it, it was it was it was it was I don't know if I could swear on this podcast but uh it was a bit of a shit show early on there for, <laughs> for Josh. So um, he's, he's figured out a lot of things, but I think that it's funny, like side sidebar a little bit here is like, you feel the change in the aura around the building when the Patriots week comes up, like, you know, what Sean McDermott feels about this matchup based on how buttoned up things are in the press conference the media availability in practice kind of shrinks a little bit and you're not out there for as many portions and um, just the general like vibe around the team. Like they were like 15 minutes late out of the Thursday practice, which was Monday. To which um, a Patriots reporter would say, welcome, welcome to our world. That's interesting. Yeah. Though. And that's still going on the way they've dominated winning four out of the last five. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. And it's, I just think that there's there's this level of respect for Belichick from Josh Allen and from McDermott, obviously, that they just know it's going to it's going to it's going to be about perfect in the details all week long from the the moment you start the tape from the moment you get on the plane to New England. Everything has to be perfectly done to be able to put yourself in a position to beat them, because, you know, this game, like one of the, the other paths to victory that I see for the Patriots is if this is a fourth quarter tight game, like both of those games that they won last year, the playoffs and that that late season game. They're blowouts, right? Like there wasn't a lot of like pressure moments late. And Allen's been good in those moments historically over his career. But against Belichick, especially if that defense starts to put some things together and they're getting pressure and they cause some turnovers, like th- that's going to be really interesting. So you've seen the seriousness from everybody, including Allen, who looked like he had run a marathon coming off the practice field on Thursday. Monday. <laughs> hey, guys, just a quick break to remind you, Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs for football and basketball this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live score, not only for football and basketball, but you can get on there for NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50%, that's 5-0, 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code CLNS50, CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online, where the game starts. 
Well, that's it's really interesting because I, I wrote for today on the website and in the paper, just the Patriots have a Josh Allen problem. And it's primarily that he extends plays in a way or, or did in the last two meetings better than any quarterback could against the Bill Belichick defense. I'm talking about a passer rating of 132. I'm talking about rushing for over 150 yards. And when he's holding on to the ball longer than two and a half seconds, generally a danger zone, like all the quarterback spidey senses are going, here comes a sack. You're going to rush into a mistake. This is not where you need to be. You're off schedule. Your, you know, your feet are not tied to your eyes looking downfield. He thrived there. Like his improvisation defeated any sort of perfect call. Bill Belichick may or may not have had and Patriots were out of position. He's able to scramble and then make throws off of his back foot. At some point, at some point that has to come back down to earth, right? Like you just, it's not a matter always of good luck. He's an unbelievable player. And I think we've seen this already from him where this month, probably largely due to the injury, you tell me what's going on four touchdowns and five picks in November. It'll be December 1st, technically when the Patriots play Josh, but are they going to get more of that guy or more the guy that they've seen the last two games? Um, I think we start to see more of the guy from the early part of the season as he kind of hit gets over this lull. I do think some of the throws in the arsenal were taken out over the course of the four weeks with the injury. And you even saw it on that late game interception in Minnesota where I think he was looking at digs. He came back to Davis and kind of like, you know, half for a second thought about throwing it, pulled it, pulled it back and then, you know, arm arrogance, right? Like that's been the the story of his career when he's had those kind of interceptions. I think he thought he could just force it in. And obviously the injury, the ball just didn't look like, you know, right coming off his arm. But here's the thing with this matchup too, that we have to pay a lot of attention to is that he has been under siege at times the last couple of weeks. I think that, you know, their offensive line at times has played really good at times on the interior. Roger Saffold at 34 years old, he's just not where you need him to be as a pass protector. Uh, Ryan Bates has been kind of up and down. They asked him to move into center for Morris last week. He did a respectable job, but they're going to be happy to get Morris back there, move Bates back out. Spencer Brown, there's some problems on the right side. So when you're throwing Judon over there on the left defensive end spot, like that is a position that I feel like some of the interceptions, like I'm thinking of three right off the top of my head have come from, I think Spencer Brown blown assignments that have led to Josh just making a bad play. And, you know, early in games, I feel like what's got them in the middle of the game funks is when teams are putting the kind of pressure on him and sustaining their rushes on the outside and forcing him to kind of weave in and out uh, and playing good coverage down the field. Like it frustrates him. He's made some bad throws and now they're dealing with Deion Dawkins, potentially not playing. Yeah. This game. He's their best offensive lineman. So there's some areas of concern offensively for as much as you feel like, you know, Josh Allen could come in here and make a lot of plays, which I think is always possible. There's some things going against them on both sides. Questenberry has been, maybe their worst pass blocker when he's been in the game. And so they're going to ask him to go play less left tackle and guard Josh Allen's blind side. Like that's troubling, you know, going into this game. And I, I've not looked at the numbers when it comes to where the Patriots are against the run. I know DVOA they're amongst the top in the league. So I'm imagining they're doing pretty well in that department. They're going to try to run with Devin Singletary because they've been doing it the last month or so. But if that doesn't go well, Josh has to go into hero mode. It's like, this balance for Ken Dorsey versus like, all right, go let Josh be Josh versus all right. Don't let him be Josh long enough to where he starts making some of these crazy plays feeling well, like he has to. And, and the funny thing is, in talking to guys this week, 
they say, look, we need to rush Josh Allen and keep him in front of us. A generally a good idea. You don't play defense with people behind you, but also they see him as a greater threat running than passing, which sounds insane. Considering again, the stats we ran down over 3000 yards through 11 games. He's freaking Josh Allen can throw the ball from his 10 yard line into the stands behind the opposite end zone. But that's how they see it. And it's part, I think, the scrambles that I mentioned, which are just not like, oh, he scrambles for 60 yards here, whatever it might be. It's in third downs, red zone, high leverage situations. We can't give that up to him. But it's also the fact that they used him in the quarterback run game in the same way that Lamar Jackson ran over the Patriots in week three. Justin Fields did this in front of a national audience in primetime. The Bills have some of those plays in their arsenal. They put the Lions away with some of those design quarterback runs. I do want to hit on one thing you said before, though, about Belichick having a plan. Because I wrote, even for, spoiler alert, Wednesday on the website, in the paper, just what cards do the Patriots have left? Because that was a question I was asking before the wild card game, and then the Bills don't punt again. And I think it doesn't come down so much as, you know, you want to disguise against Josh, right? You want to fool good quarterbacks, smart quarterbacks, who can create on their own. But also, the way to beat him is you just got to rush with four. And it sounds simplistic, but the Patriots have been better at that than virtually every other team in the league, getting home and playing pass defense. And they'll have a shot to do that with Spencer Brown. You mentioned Deion Dawkins um, being out, which leaves it wide open for Judon. Is there just a certain rush you've seen? You know, because this is the biggest battleground. Let's just call it that. These are not the little 50-50 things that need to flip in the Patriots direction. If they win or if they go in the Bills direction, we get 47 to 17 part two. Is there a way teams have been rushing against this O-line or Josh specifically that have been less effective or more effective to this point in the season? I think it's a combination of things. I think he's been kind of hot and cold against the blitz this season, especially during this, this last stretch. I don't know if the numbers bear that out, but I think just the threat of the blitz and then breakdowns on the offensive line, when teams are just rushing for like, I, I thought that they did a pretty good job on Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter a couple of weeks ago in that game. But late in the fourth quarter, they started to you know make some plays and break through. And I feel like if, if you're the bills and you want to run 60 to 75 snaps and you hold up pretty well over the course of the first 50, and then you start having breakdowns and it's a close game and he starts, you know, forcing throws like he has to your point, you know, over the last month where it comes at four to five, four uh, touchdowns, a five interception ratio. That's where you run into problems. I, th- I think it also comes down to, the bills for as much as they've tried, they've not been able to develop any type of consistent um, screen game. And so when teams are finding ways to get home with their pass rush, whether it be for blitzing, they're not able to counter with any of that short game or quick game. It all has to come out of like the motion game, which I don't think Dorsey is even really utilizes as much as Dable has in the past. Um, there's also this weird imbalance right now with they go out and they trade for Naheem Hines. It's taken him a while to get into the offense and learn this, you know, this very deep playbook that Dorsey has kind of uh, kept from Dable. And then they have this James Cook, who's a rookie and is, is fun. And there's a lot of good things to like about Ballin. him. Yeah. But, but there is this play the like last game where he kind of just ran out into, you know, right behind the offensive line, like on a short pat, uh, route. And I think Josh Allen needed him to kind of veer out of from behind the center and into the throwing lane. And it's just, he got stuck in mud, stood there and Allen was trying to kind of guide him over and eventually couldn't wait anymore and just threw it. And it was almost intercepted. And it's like those little things, those nuanced things of the game that I don't think that James Cook really understands yet. And that's a really good way to just completely lose trust 
from the coaching staff. So I'm wondering if this isn't a game where we see that flipped a little bit, 14 snaps to four cook to Hines last week. Maybe we see that flip this week and then try to get Hines more involved. And maybe they've been working on a screen package for him. I don't, Maybe. I, I don't know. I don't have any intel there, but that seems to be one way to maybe, you know, get that part of the game going. See, this is why you have, have you on, because that is just tremendous detail on a, we could say the rookie running backs, not so great in pass protection, the finer details, but that exact example is something that the coaching staff would put up in a meeting. I'm sure just like Belichick would do here in new England and say, we can't have this. This is how you get a turnover in an area where if you just take a few steps in the direction you're supposed to go, it's in your playbook. Look at the play then we might get a 10 yard gate or 15 yard gain and not lose that kind of uh, momentum. So I wouldn't, you know, in the greater scheme of things, again, I think this is a matter of how they twist up that offensive line, because I don't think they're going to blitz Josh Allen a whole lot. A, because again, he can kind of create on his own. And speaking of James cook, if, if he does get more carries, he's at five and a half yards per carry. Devin Singletary played all season. He's still trailing Josh Allen in total rushing yards. It's close, but I think the Patriots would invite that over Josh running it himself or throwing. The biggest trouble is and remains and has been Stefan Diggs, who is averaging over six catches, 84 yards, and basically a touchdown in his career per game against the Patriots, even when they had the likes of J.C. Jackson and Stefan Gilmore. Now they don't have those guys. Jonathan Jones playing very well. Jonathan Jones also getting largely roasted by Justin Jefferson. Not any sort of, uh, you know, demerit for him. Justin Jefferson is probably the best receiver in the league right now, as Bills fans also know. The thing is, you just have to commit more resources to that guy. And if you're doubling him and keeping Devin McCourty over the top or having some sort of other configuration where Devin's a part of the double and you've got a rat in short zone, you're already back to six coverage players and maybe five rushing. Gabe Davis, of course, can take a play and go to the house. When you look at those matchups, aside from the offensive line, which seems to lean in the Patriots' favor, um, running game could go either way. But receiver seems to be a real issue for the Patriots. Is there any other matchup that you go, if you're Buffalo, we feel most confident in this? I lean back into McKenzie, like what he did against them late yeah. in the season last year. Because one of the things that's been interesting about the evolution from Beasley to McKenzie in the slot is – I think early on in the season, they wanted to try to replicate some of what Cole did in the offense with McKenzie, but I don't think that that's necessarily his skill set. You saw how he won last week against the Lions was very similar to how he won against the Patriots, like those downfield crossing routes where he just get find some one on one action and just beats guys with his speed. There was too much kind of like, in my opinion, um, trying to dink and dunk with him around the line of scrimmage. This is not the strong suit of, of his game. He, ne he never was great against zones, uh, against zone defense, finding windows like Cole Beasley did. He's just a different kind of player. So I think if, you know, if Diggs is covered and they have a plan for Davis and, you know, I think Dawson Knox at tight end and Isaiah McKenzie are two guys that um, are going to be interesting. Also long shot, but keep this in mind. I know Patriots fans remember John Brown from that, Famous. I mean, they won the game, but that where he turned Stephon uh, Gilmore around on that one play, the Bills signed him to the practice squad this week. It would be really quick for a guy who's not played much football in the last year, year and a half to come off the bench cold and have a, a, a significant role. But the Bills are banged up at receiver. They're only going to have four active right now with what's on the roster on game day. They've been calling up Tanner Gentry 
off the practice squad, but he's out of call up. So the, the likely next guy up is John Brown, who has a very intimate knowledge of Josh Allen in this offense. So kind of a fun little like side storyline. I don't know how much he could do off the couch. Apparently he's been working for the last couple of months, sending videos to wide receivers coach Chad Hall about his progress. And the bills finally brought him in for a workout, signed him. He knows the playbook. So that's another kind of wrinkle in how they use him. Is he somebody at 32, they want to still put him on the boundary. Do they want to use him more in the slot? Diggs has been in the slot a lot. Do you want to put Brown on the outside and move Diggs more into a slot role in this game to throw a bit of a curveball? There's a lot of options on the table if that's the route they choose to go. Yeah, it's interesting. I can't believe I forgot about McKenzie. Of course, roasted uh, Miles Bryant alive in that second game in Foxborough. And then they very cruelly have a tendency breaker in the wildcard game where he's bending back across through this kind of deep crosser that you mentioned, and then bends it back completely to the opposite side of the field. Miles Bryant thinking he's in position uh, was no longer in position because there went Isaiah McKenzie for a nice long completion. And he's a guy who's great after the catch. I know they've utilized him in jet sweeps. It's just a, a lot of areas where the Patriots, you know, haven't really upgraded their, their secondary in terms of raw talent. Like you had your peppers. Great. You know, Jonathan Jones playing the best career, you know, year of his career. Great. You just you still don't look at those receivers and go, we feel totally comfortable one on one, which is primarily how they want to play. All right, let's get to the three, two, one breakdown, three keys, two matchups, one extra point preview. And then we have final score prediction. We'll get you out of here uh, really quickly. I have two keys. One, the Bills tackling I already mentioned. I think this is where they try to get Ramondre Stevenson into space. So a ton of screen uh, swing screens, um, other types of screens. And you just hope that you get some cheap and easy yards, you know, a couple good blocks here. It was a really poor blocking game for the receivers. I thought against Minnesota, but it could be Stevenson type one. Thornton hasn't touched the ball and design plays in a long time. That's one for me. The second one, Josh Allen, I wrote more about this than I'll say right now. It's just, you can't let him hold the ball as long as he did, because he will scramble. He'll let the receivers get open. He's a master of this. Yes. He might have that arm arrogance, as you mentioned, but ultimately over time, that's a place that the Patriots just can't afford to live in. And I think they need to get to him within the two and a half seconds, which is really the inverse of how you want to play quarterback in the modern football. But that's just the way it is. The longer Josh Allen extends plays, the more control over this game goes into his hands versus Belichick because he's within structure. And then after two and a half, three seconds, it's street ball. And he thrives there as well as within structure. But at least the Patriots have a little bit more say in how the first three seconds are going to go. So those are my two keys. Bill's tackling on defense and then the Patriots trying to, you know, speed it up a little bit when they're on defense. For me, like my number one key in this game is Josh Allen taking care of the football, because if this ends up being a close game, any of those mistakes could flip the tide in this game. And and listen, we've seen this in the past, like the Patriots probably score off of a defensive turnover. And that's the kind of situation where the Bills don't want to be in. And they're also in a situation with Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier with you know their track record against first and second year quarterbacks, where if you put yourself in a bad spot on offense, you're, you're just really shooting yourself on the defensive side of the ball, putting more pressure on what they're going to have to do in this game. So I think it comes down to talking to Josh about not, you know, being as smart as you possibly can, even if it doesn't look like those two games last year, I think like a 200 yard, one touchdown, 50 yard rushing performance might be just as important in this game. If it comes with a clean turnover sheet as it would, if he's going for 305, because it, it's, it just strikes me like this is going to be a really competitive game. It, it feels in a lot of ways like this is the last gasp of Bill Belichick. I know that that's dramatic, right? <laughs> Check I mean, this he's, out. He's 70, Matt, but he's not that kind of 70. 
here's here's what I mean by that. I think that those other two teams in the division are hot on both of these teams' trail. You know, I think what Miami has built with that offense and what the Jets have built with their defense, if they can figure out anything to do at the quarterback position, they're going to be – this has just all of a sudden become – arguably the best division in football. And when you're, when you have that situation and you know, you don't probably, if you're Bill Belichick want to go through another off season, not making the playoffs and having to answer the quarterback questions and all those kinds of things like this just feels like a huge game for the new England, you know, what's left. Uh, I don't want to say that. I don't want to piss off yeah. Patriots fans, but like well, you get my point. Yeah. I would say uh, let's hit pause on that. The, the existential shiver down every fan's spine right there, because <laughs> ne- next off season, they have very intentionally positioned themselves to be able to reload free agency. Um, and you know, their picks are about what you would expect for a team, even though they made a couple of trades, what you're going to get every year, but they're, they're ready to make another push. And I think if you lose to the bills, the five and a half point underdogs at home, no dishonor in that you could still beat the dolphins when they come in here. Maybe it's too late at that point for a playoff push. But as far as the state of, you know, the Bills Patriots series, it's not just that Buffalo's won for the last five. It's not that, you know, they've been going to AFC championship games and the Patriots haven't. It's that their last two wins were historic. They did not punt. And we have said this and heard this and and said this ad nauseum, but it deserves repeating because this is historic against the greatest coach of all time, the greatest defensive coach of all time. And if Allen has a game like that again, like, I've asked now again, multiple times, what cards are there left to play? Well, there are none. And and there, there's no deck. He has nothing to play with. He just, you just lose upon arrival to a much better, more talented, well-rounded team. But I think he will be back next year. The Patriots will try to compete once again. And they still swept the jets because as bad as things were in the pandemic for all of us, and for the Patriots in that year and this season at times, they're still the jets. So at least for them, uh, they can beat on that. All right, let's go to two matchups. We, we talked about a ton of these. I didn't spend a ton of time because I think it's fairly obvious, but I'm just going to mention it again. John Jones against Stefan Diggs. I would expect given Jonathan's uh, combination of quickness and long speed, and he's a little bit more undersized, but that's not going to cost him. I think, you know, as opposed to Jalen Mills on the opposite side, playing more the boundary, like even if Diggs is in the slot, that's where Jonathan Jones lived in his NFL career, you know, up until this season. So that's a matchup that the Patriots do a good job there. That's something where you look at the Minnesota game and you cut Justin Jefferson's yards in half. Like you probably win that game. You hold to Stefan Diggs to around 70 yards. You probably come out with a win. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what matchup I kind of am really intrigued about. And that's just based off watching Minnesota Hunter Henry versus Matt Milano. Like mm. I really think that if Hunter Henry can play like he did in the red zone, you know, at times over the course of his career, as good as Milano has been, there's been times where he has struggled in space against big physical tight ends. And so if Hunter Henry can play like that in this kind of matchup, be a red zone threat, the the Patriots are going to have to um, convert in the red zone. And he, to me, from the outside looking in, just makes the most sense as one of the most dangerous weapons for them, especially with Mac, with the way that he was kind of operating between the hashes in that game. And that was another thing too, that stood out to me from Mac Jones. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say I, I wrote him off earlier in the season, but I, I've been waiting for this like kind of performance where he looked a little bit more, you know, on schedule. Like he just looked so like, I don't know the word I'm looking for, like urgent with his approach to delivering the ball and j- even off play action, like immediately flipping, flipping the head and getting the ball out. And there was one might've been to Henry or might've been to um, Aguilar down the slot, but man, 
if he plays like that with that kind of confidence against this defense, it's, it, I think it could be a really fun game. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because I've written, you know, talk about ad nauseum thing is it's the same thing with Bill's week, but the way McDermott's played defense, you know, has just absolutely just put the clamps on the Patriots passing game. Even Brady against Sean McDermott's defenses, four touchdowns and five picks in his last games over those three years in new England. And it's partly the way they disguise the structure. You generally know what you're getting. It's going to be a four man rush. Some disguise zone coverage in the back athletic linebackers. There's just, there's, there's not a lot of space there. And if you don't have great weaponry around them, you know, those are the results. And that's been the results because the Patriots are averaging fewer than 20 offensive points per game against the bills the last four plus seasons. So um, we should also mention Matt Judon again, be it Spencer Brown or mm. um, Deion Dawkins backup one, uh, Questenberry uh, should be a left tackle. That That's an area where I would expect the bills to help out if they don't could be strip sack. And you talk about a game, you know, starting in a way that, that uh, might change what we all expect that that would certainly be one. All right. One extra point. Um, something about the game that we haven't covered could be totally relevant. Just kind of interests you. That's a great question. Um, we haven't done any special teams talk. And part yes, of this is like, I got, I got a special teams for you. All right, good, I, good. I feel like watching that kick return touchdown, Naheem Hines has been explosive in the punt game since the, that's the one area of the game that he's really impacted. The, the Patriots are going to have to be really buttoned up in the punt game because he's had a couple where he's, he's been one away from breaking it. I, I mean, I, I got to look up the stats, actually. I want to do that for my preview story because that might be one of the mat, matchups that I, I talk about. But he is, I, he's had like a 20-yard return, a 35-yard return. I think he had like a 40-yard return in one game. He's been really good in that area. So this is the kind of game, too, that like, you know, you remember the uh, a couple of years ago, wasn't it the block field goal that was like the difference in the game? Yeah, 2019. Um, yeah. So there's been historically, you know, spe some special teams plays that have flipped the script in these games. So I I'm watching that area on both sides. Obviously, the Patriots with a big one of their own a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Marcus Jones, I'm looking, you know, the Patriots uh, mostly buoyed by that big punt return for Marcus Jones, number one by DVOA and punt return. Buffalo down in the neighborhood of looks like uh, ninth or tenth, which is still good. And again, these numbers are, you know, influenced by still a fairly small sample, especially when you have players coming in and out. Neither Naeem Hines or Marcus Jones started punt returning for their respective teams uh, back in week one. So things change. And I think that's a good point. I mean, I wish we had worse weather. I don't want six feet of snow on Thursday night. My extra point is just to ask you, how the hell do you deal with six feet of snow? My God. Yeah. Um, so the one nice thing about where I moved in the city is I live in the North towns and down by the stadium are the South towns where get, they get the most snow. I think it ended up being with 80 inches or whatever. And we got, we got like 35 in, in my area of oh, town, but I oh, went just to 35 inches. Sure. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> it was no big deal. It was no big deal, but I went to the stadium. We were, they practiced in the stadium this week and we went in there and, and the three hundreds and most of the two hundreds still had piles and piles of snow that have to get, you know, uh, shoveled out in the next 10 days before the Jets game. So how many days of school are your kids in school? Yes. Two. How many did they miss? Is this like, just like two a half days. day? Two they days. missed two days because they missed a Friday and a Monday. And the Monday was only because across most school districts, especially in the North towns could have opened, but because there were so many workers, whether it be teachers or facility people that lived in the South towns and couldn't travel, there were still travel bans in some areas of town. They, they just decided to shut school down on Monday too. Oh, your kids got screwed, man. They should have had the full four Monday to Thursday. Tuesday I know. Friday, 
those poor kids, but man, I, I give you credit. I, you know, two feet of snow is a, is a big storm out here, but with the lake effect stuff, I mean, you guys just have, I don't know, you, you must roll with it. Cause you know, uh, obviously you did and maybe you move one football game to Detroit, but the bills still win there because you know what, why not? Um, <laughs> final score prediction. I, I feel like you, you, you've been talking about it. It's a close game, rugged, tough fourth quarter has a finish. So I, I have to put in my prediction for the pregame show on TV, like earlier in the week, like usually like on uh, Tuesdays. And so I put this in earlier and I've talked myself through the week to this like lower you know, competitive game. I put it in for 35, 17. I'm, I'm keeping it that way for the bills, but I see so many paths to this being 24, 21. If it's under 20, I mean, I, what is it? I thought I saw a stat this week that the, the Patriots are, what are they six and zero or something? Holding teams under twenty points, or I I can't remember the data. Sounds, I, I, sounds right enough. Yeah, yeah, right enough. And so I think that's the key to this game is you know keeping it low scoring, forcing the Bills to have to play stressful football in, in, in on their last drives in the fourth quarter, and hope that he makes a mistake because he's made a couple. And you know, it's, in the past it's taken him to find a way out of these ruts and he's usually found them. Josh Allen. Um, I don't think he's in as much of a rut this time from a playing perspective as I am. I think from a limitation perspective with the elbow, that's just my personal opinion, but we'll learn a lot on Sunday now that it's or on Thursday. Now that it seems like he's close to hundred percent. Yeah. All right, man. I, I think I'm leading bills 24 Patriots 16. And I think the Patriots get an early lead. It's not good enough because eventually your talent just kind of wins out. And Josh Allen does throw his first interception against the Patriots since November 1st, 2020. No one needs to think about what they were doing back in November 1st, 2020. Uh, we of course were watching, you know, that football game, a close bills win at home, but it's just that there's too much going against the Patriots. And I see this being filed under the same category as the loss in Minnesota. It's not a moral victory, but it's close. And you say, we hung with a really good team, class of the AFC. You're at six and six. You still got big games ahead, at least for the Patriots. Winnable games at Arizona, Las Vegas, Cincinnati, when they come back, Miami, as I mentioned. Oh, and one more in Buffalo, where I hope to God there's not six feet of snow. I hope there's not two feet of snow, but I, I will take a foot, Matt. I will take a very manageable foot where, you know, teachers aren't missing school. Maybe your kids miss a day or two, but we get some bad weather football because, Look, if, if it's not going to be a competitive series with the Bills, at least let's get back to that. Am I right? Why, why not? And listen, you don't even have to get a hotel. You come stay with me. I'll have you shovel the driveway. I'll give you the full <laughs> Buffalo experience. Yeah, that sounds lovely. Yeah, no, I, I will. I would love to shovel your driveway, Matt. Back into the North Towns, too. Further away from the stadium sounds better than my airport Marriott. Um, there you go. <laughs> where my, my first game, 2018, this was like Derek Anderson started. Josh was hurt. My, right. my, my Uber goes the wrong way, which I don't know how you do as an Uber where by definition, you're following GPS directions, took me in the opposite way for five miles and just never bothered to turn around until I said something I showed up and then having to walk around the stadium. Cause didn't know where the media gate was. I was, this is my eighth game covering an NFL team um, 20 minutes before kickoff. So I look like Ooh. the guy who can't handle himself the day after Ooh. the Red Sox win the world series that year in 2018 showing up for what thankfully was uh, a boring ass 25 to six football game with Devin McCourty having a pick six and Devin McCourty making his 200 start on, uh, on Thursday night. So I think yeah. we've covered it all. This should be fun. Again, they will play one more at the end of the season. Hopefully that's competitive. Hopefully you have bad weather and hopefully we have you back on, man. Sounds good. Anytime, Andrew, thank you for, thank you for having me.